Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I've known, and three things up for review this week. First up is The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is based on a chapter out of Dracula. Then there's Meg to the Trench, and Heart of Stone streaming on Netflix. First up is The Last Voyage of the Demeter, and you might be asking, why have I not heard anything about this film? And unfortunately, as it turns out, I think there's probably a pretty good reason for that. So it is based off of one chapter out of Bram Stoker's Dracula. And let me tell you, one chapter does not a movie make. Well, okay, that's that's wrong. I'm sure there are plenty of short stories and chapters and whatever that can be successfully converted into a feature-length film. Unfortunately, I don't think this telling of it was particularly compelling, interesting, scary even. I thought going into this review, I was like, maybe if they'd rated it R and really gone for that hard scare, you know, whatever it may be, uh, they could have done a better movie and they were constricted by trying to make it for a broader audience. And then I looked it up and no, it's already rated R for bloody violence. So, you know, no excuses there. There, there are many issues with this film. I think, you know, one of my biggest questions is who is it for? Because like I said, it's scary, but it's not that scary. There are a lot of jump scares, which I am very susceptible to. If you've listened to my reviews recently of things like Talk to Me or even Haunted Mansion, you know, I fully admit I'm a huge chicken. I watched this movie from like so sunken into my chair that there's probably a divot left in this AMC. But that's not because, you know, I was necessarily scared of the things that were going on. It's mostly just because, you know, a jump scare is this visceral reaction that as a human you are just prone to react to. But, you know, this is not a movie that haunted me afterwards. And a lot of horror movies, even bad horror movies, are capable of that. So I think that that is the biggest criticism I think I have for this is that, you know, if you're going to go for horror fans and if you're going to go for an R rating, like, play into it, scare people. I think the the blood, violence, guts, etc. just kind of felt unnecessary in this and not you know, compelling or terrifying in a I'm scared this would happen to me way, which I feel like is kind of what a lot of horror fans are going for oftentimes. But anyway, you know, the cast is actually pretty impressive. And I, I think they're all doing their best in it. I just think the material and the story itself and the construction of it was not up to they deserve better. It has Corey Hawkins, Asleen Francoise, David Dust Mlockian, whose name I always have so much trouble pronouncing, John John Briones, who, if you don't know him, he's actually a theater star and a great singer, etc. And then you've got Liam Cunningham from Game of Thrones. And I think my also number one rule now is if your ship's captain looks like Liam Cunningham or Bernard Hill from Titanic, don't get on the boat. <laughs> like, that's just the rules. Don't get on the boat. You know, it's the story of Dracula being transported from... Carpathia or Romania it sort of seems in this to London and he's stuck on the ship and you know close quarters bad things are gonna happen it's not really a spoiler we also I'm assuming you know the story of Dracula at this point or you're old enough to know the story so I, I I'm not gonna spoil specifics for you but the thing I think they also really needed to follow in this movie is the lesson of Jaws where sometimes the less you see of the monster slash creature etc the more scary and better it is like leave it to our imaginations especially if you're gonna go for something that's like not as grounded you know I don't think we need to see the like the humanoid ones but by the same token I think one of the scariest things about Dracula himself is that he does blend and this one they went in a very different direction and if you've seen the trailer this is not a spoiler because they very much showed the whole vampire early he's like a bat like a weird naked skinny bat with bad dentistry and 
I don't know why. It, I just didn't find it scary, you know? And I should because, again, I watched this movie from the depths of my seat. But it just looked so ridiculous. And, like, the CG wasn't great. And I just, uh You know, again, it's like they paid attention to things. They spent money on this movie. I just think it went wrong in trying to rely on basic tropes. And I didn't feel like they tried to bring a unique perspective to it. I didn't feel like the person was like, we have to tell this story. You know, I think there's this whole, there's this whole subplot-ish kind of metaphor going on about science versus uh, the unknown and, and needing to explain things. And it's so poorly handled. This. It's just so rudimentary. The whole thing is just rudimentary. And it's not even scary, you know. Uh, I went with someone who uh, is more of a horror aficionado, I think, than I am. And they... Seem to they seem to like it more than I did, but as someone who is one not a fan of this genre in general, or or it's not that I'm not a fan, I just get really scared easily. And the fact that I wasn't by this beyond the scope of the two hours I had to sit there for the movie, which let me tell you is about thirty minutes too long, I think. I wouldn't feel comfortable recommending this to any of my hardcore horror fans because I don't think it has anything to offer them. I don't think it has anything to offer people who are not fans of scary movies, you know, and because they went for this R, there's just this unnecessary level of violence to a lot of it that felt like violence for the sake of violence versus violence to make you really, really scared of this creature. And then there's the folks who probably have no idea what this movie is. And and again, this is the first you're hearing of it. And you're like, should I go see it? I'm telling you, no. Honestly, I think the majority of other interpretations of the Dracula story in particular or other vampire stories or whatever it may be there was just not enough in this particular movie to justify the translation of the one chapter into this two-hour movie so so I am going to give this a two out of five and I feel like I'm being a little bit generous with that but that's because you know again like I said the actors were trying their best you could tell like the set had actually been built in parts you know I actually thought the costumes were well worn and all this you know it's like the little details where I was like somebody cared enough but why didn't we care enough to be like yes we are really going to figure out how and why this story should be told now. There's a reason that this chapter has not been adapted as extensively before. So two out of five for the last voyage of the Demeter for me. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. The next film I have is called The Meg to the Trench, and I'm playing a little bit of catch up with this one. And I fully admit I loved the Meg the movie the first one I thought it was so campy and ridiculous you know I love my sci-fi channel original movies that star sharks I'm terrified of real sharks in real life let me tell you but uh so when they're like oh we're making a sequel I went great can't wait to see it Woo! was I wrong on that one too this is gonna be a rough week y'all so Jason Statham is back as Jonas Taylor who is in the first one, effectively like an underwater rescue, deep sea dive, you know, like in a boat, EMT guy who is the best deep sea diver in the world, etc. And they get attacked by a giant megalodon that bursts through this, you know, geothermal layer that they disrupt because humans are monsters and can't leave well enough alone. And so somehow between that one and this one, they all seem to have forgotten that they never really established that Jason Statham is... Uh, Jason Statham effectively is playing, like, the same Jason Statham character he plays in every movie. So he suddenly has all these fighting skills and, like, hacking... Not Maybe not hacking skills, but he has all these extra sets of skills that they did absolutely nothing to establish in the first one and weren't like, oh, um, in the interim between the Meg 1 and Meg 2, the trench, he's been <laughs> training special ops stuff and... You know, maybe there's like a one line where they drop his background in something, but it just, it, it, all his characters blend together. And Jason Statham, I actually think, is a very charismatic person on screen. And so you kind of just go with it. But it's just, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without spoiling it. So I think I will frame it as Do you have to have seen The Meg for The Meg 2 to make sense? 
not really, because for whatever reason, you know, a lot of folks didn't come back. And so in some senses, they are starting fresh. And in some senses, they are picking up where they left off. So, you know, you've got a couple characters who've transferred over from the last one. Like I said, Jason Statham's character is back. Paige Kennedy and Cliff Curtis are back from the cast of the last one. And then Sophia Tsai returns. She was the little girl in the first one. And then you've got all these new folks who the movie's just like, uh, look over there. They have been in his life this whole time or whatever it may be. And just asks you to roll with it, which can be good, can be bad, but, you know, I don't actually technically think you need to have seen the Meg to have the Meg 2 make sense because so much of it is also over-explained, but also has zero logic to it. So it can hold two truths. So, yeah, uh, you know, again, Meg 1, uh, fighting giant shark movie. Meg 2, uh, sort of fighting giant sharks, but also fighting other people and uh, other creatures and defying a lot of science. You know, I get it's supposed to be science fiction and all that stuff, but... Some of these rules like physics and and biology need to hold true. And this one just wants to go ahead and ignore those. And, you know, if this had been fun and campy and ridiculous, I wouldn't I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care at all. But it is so self-serious and yet not entertaining. And I think it knows that it should or wants to be entertaining, but is trying too hard in some places and not, you know, and so by the time like. Maybe when the third act rolls around, some of the silliness and absurdity of, you know, sharks, giant sharks on the loose. And I always love that in these movies, the scale of the sharks always seems to change. You know, it's like one particular one is this size in this shot. And then suddenly it's like twice as long. But it's the same shark. I don't know. Megalodon. Uh, Anyway. Okay. So this is all a long-winded way of saying, should you see the Meg to the trench? Even if you were a fan of the first one, I'd say just rewatch the first one. I don't think this has a lot to offer. You know, I, I, this, or just fine. Wait until it comes out on home entertainment watch the third part or just watch a sci-fi channel original movie that stars a shark if you were not a fan of the first one absolutely not even though you could just plug into this not a chance that you should see this because if I didn't have fun and I was you know the target audience in some senses because I think the ridiculousness of the first one is great yeah I was disappointed I, I can't in good conscience recommend it to anybody else and so I am going to unfortunately give it a 1.3 out of 5 and my last movie this week is called Heart of Stone and I uh I don't like weeks where I give low ratings to all the movies because I go to the movies or I, you know, sit. this is a streaming movie, so I sit at home. And I, I want to like these things because I am putting hours of my life that I don't get back into seeing them. And also, I just love movies. I love TV. I love all of it. So every time all these Netflix originals, especially the action one movies come out, I'm a little apprehensive. But the few things about this one that I was like, oh, maybe this one could be a good one is stars Gal Gadot, who honestly, I'm big I'm a big fan of, though she continues to chip away at that generosity with some of her film choices. You know, I still think she as a person is a charming human being, but I just, some of these movies, let me tell you. And the other things that I was like, oh, I am interested in this are the writers of it are Alison Schroeder, who was a co-writer on Hidden Figures, and Greg Rucka is the screenwriter, and also it's a story by him, and he wrote the old, he wrote the screenplay for The Old Guard, which is one of the Netflix movies that I thought was really good, actually. Like, it was, it was a Charlize Theron action thriller that felt like a real movie. And I'm putting that in air quotes. And that's not to say this isn't a real movie, but... Uh, so, anyway, the premise behind this one is Gal Gadot is, uh, you know, super spy genius, etc. Because all of these all of these movies, especially these Netflix action ones, you know, or even some of the other Statham ones, are all the... The the protagonists are always, like, invincible and have all the powers in the world. They're effectively, like, the Superman of the spy world. And the reason that, like, I don't love Superman as a character is because he is 
or, or I guess Wonder Woman in some cases, um, you know, it, it, there's nothing you're never worried about them because they are so competent at everything or they're a genius at everything. And I feel like they play like spin the wheel of bringing in other major action franchise bits and like Frankenstein them together into making this movie because, you know, you've got, uh, I'm just going to say it, like there's a big AI component, which is the villain du jour right now. And, you know, you're like Mission Impossibles and fast franchises have been dealing with AI for a while. You've got your set on an airplane action piece, which is, you know, classic James Bond. You know, you've got this sort of secret cabal of uh, super spy, soldier, intelligence agents, etc. which feels very John Wick. And they all use like code names and stuff like that. And it's just... You know, it didn't, I didn't feel like there was an original idea in this entire movie. And sometimes that can be fun and, like, fine if you want to turn your brain off. But this was, oh, my God, it was such a slog. And it was two hours long, and it felt so much longer. You, In addition to Gal Gadot, you've also got Jamie Dornan, Alia Bhatt, Sophia Okendo, Matthias Schweigoffer, Jing Lu Su, Paul Reddy, Archie Madquay, who is going to be in Gran Turismo. And just, you know... Uh, I feel like everyone was also trying in this one, but there's just no way to salvage this. And also, I beg of action movies. Please stop narrating the action. Again, going back to Jason Statham, his last two movies, I think, in particular, have been aggressively guilty of this, where, you know, there's somebody in the earpiece who's telling you the things that are happening instead of, like, us seeing them happen, but then we have to see them happen. And it just, it ruins any sense of suspense to these action sequences, and it completely undermines any momentum they have going in these films. So please, 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 filmmakers, stop using that device. It's not working. So this is what I I don't like giving movies these low of ratings, but I just, in good conscience, I just, I don't want people to waste their time on them. And, I, you know, I feel bad because, you know, lots of jobs get generated because of them. But, oh God, Heart of Stone, it's a one out of five for me. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.